0: Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Oscar Robertson, Blue What a year has been! The Bucs are the world champions! going inside.
2: 2nd, Middleton, yes, Chris Middleton! Happy birthday, Jason Kidd, places up for grabs! Behind the back, Giannis, and then a good ball, and
0: in watch. Holy moly! Dudley, up top, open, he's got a clean catch! Oh. And Milwaukee wins it! play basketball and win. And win? Yeah.
3: How many games? Six. Hello and welcome to episode 361 of the Win in 6 podcast, proudly a part of the Eurostep podcast network and the Blue Wire podcast family. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is my good friend, Jordan Tresky. Jordan, hello. Hello. How are you doing?
2: I'm doing well, how are you?
3: I'm also doing well. That's great that we just, <laughs> you know, we got that out there on the record for Every people. And uh, The books, dare I say, are also doing well. I think if you were to ask them collectively, that would be their response. They've had a very good week, good week or so. We've been away for a couple of weeks. Um, I think the last time you've heard from both of us, either of us, I think both of us was on the crossover episode that... um. All four four of the GSPN crew jumped on a couple of weeks ago. Our last episode came just after news broke that uh, the books were signing Sergio Bacca and Deandre Bembry. Um, Carter, Carter. No, Bembry. before the the crossover was the Carter one because we had oh to that's go back right, and yeah, that, yeah. But our last our last episode was the other two guys. And since then, I mean I, I think things have been trending up I was I was sitting back, you know, pipe in hand, uh, just you know <laughs> feet up, being like, eh, all the panic. You know. did you see the panic? There was a lot of panic kind of since we've last recorded to now, which is not a very large period of time in you know, the grander wow. scale of the universe, but it feels like... It's been a full circle thing you know the books are good now a lot of people seem to think they weren't good then uh which i never personally subscribe to what about you or have you been caught off guard by this this grand reversal of fortunes that the the nba champions are supposedly a good basketball team or did you think for example i'll be specific i i had to play some catch-up by the busy couple of weeks so i've been you know binging the books TM, that's the Eurostep podcast <laughs> trademark um, to, to catch up in recent days and one of the games that I was kind of most interested in because it, it seemed like it led to just complete another utter existential fallout for a lot of the fan base was the Nets game mm. and I watched the Nets game I was like they were pretty good Like the, the books were pretty good, Nets were a full strength, yeah the books blew that game Kind of the sort of thing you see happen a lot over the course of an 82 game season and on any one game, I wouldn't put a whole lot of stock in it. And I thought there were certainly some of the signs that have carried on since that of just important books, players clicking a little bit better. The team may be finding more of a rhythm, more of an understanding. So to me, when I was watching that, I was like, there are some signs of good stuff here. And this would definitely not have led me to be concerned. But I don't know where you were at with all of that.
2: Um, I'm sure to because that was a good that was Bobby's career night, right? It was. Giannis looked like Giannis. Drew yeah. was very good. Chris, I think, looked decent. It was kind of he was he was way.
3: having a spell of struggles that over the last week. Shockingly enough, he has broke out of and the books have you know soared just with that. Yeah,
2: Um,
3: but the, the Nets game was probably still at the tail end of that.
2: Um, I didn't panic alarm or alarm bells didn't ring off for me more than I mean, out of the ordinary. That's not a shock by any means. But I also think there was, there is still some cause for concern for where they are at in terms of, I think we, it's safe to say that we can kind of even during this great stretch when there are five straight wins and all that stuff. Their defense is pretty blah. Like it, it's not
3: like any. We we know why. Like, oh yeah, yeah. yeah. There's, there's not gonna be a magic instant fix. I appreciate that, but this is down to Bobby Portis is starting at center. Like, um, we're talking. We're just talking after what was his best game of the book or the best games of his career, but that doesn't really transfer to the defensive side of the floor. He's playing great, but Bobby at center is, you know, problematic. And even losing Pat, Pat's got really nice versatility yep. for the books on the wing defensively. George Hill being out is certainly something that hurts them. Wes we'll has been we'll, in and we'll get on too. to Javon Carter, who I actually think is kind of a pretty big deal. Like right now he's, he's being very, very solid, particularly defensively and just giving them something that, much like we've talked a lot about them needing something to just kind of plug the gap that they had at center with Brooke. I think with George Hill's kind of absence lingering on a little bit, John Carter has been important there. Um, But I mean, I, I do not, I am not concerned. I, I really, I can't, I can't stress this or double down enough. I made fun privately and publicly, I think, of Ty and Rowan when they did a podcast, which was titled along the lines of Should We Be Concerned? It's like, of course we shouldn't be concerned. Like, it doesn't matter until the playoffs. A lot of this really isn't going to click into gear. And the thing that just surprises me most about the emotional roller coaster that a lot of people seem to be allowing themselves to be brought on this season is, do they not remember last year? I'm not saying that in expecting that this just plays out exactly like last year, but that's maybe something you should bank to be like, Oh, it turns out that it's not always worth freaking out over the ups and downs of regular season, because if there's enough there and if there's a feeling that, you know, well player X is good enough and player Y is good enough and player Z is good enough there is a real strong chance that this could click when it matters. And I I still feel that's the case for the books. And right now it would be hard to say anything other than they are trending in the right direction, not just kind of at the right time as we're getting into the stretch run and the playoffs are coming, but also like a five game winning streak with a Brooke return on the horizon with Pat Connaughton going to be back soon enough, hopefully George Hill too. Like if they're really hitting their stride when they're going to get back to full strength from a health perspective for really the first time this season. The
2: whole season, yeah.
3: Like that's that's a scary prospect for the rest of the NBA. And I, I think one of the things that I've also found interesting is if you zoom out of Books fans. I don't think there's been the level of dismissiveness about their chances from people who just take a wider view of the league or maybe are focused on other teams, as there has actually been from Bucs fans. Like, I think there's been more of an acceptance that, yeah, well, you know, the books are going to be, they're going to be a tough out. If you're going to get out of the East, you're probably going to have to beat the books. Good chance if you want to win a championship, you might have to beat the books. And it just, it remains so so apparent to me that that's the case like Yannis in his own right i i think should be enough for most people to be like well the books are probably gonna be right where they need to be in the playoffs by having a player like that like we've seen it with other guys over the years and i don't know if he's necessarily getting the benefit of doubt having just won a championship and with the level of his play but as an example, and I mean the most obvious example, the East of the two dec- the last two decades, it's like LeBron. Look at some of the bad teams LeBron just would routinely like get to conference finals uh, over and over and over again. That is something that is there for the Bucs with Giannis. And I think when you add to that, Drew Holiday is playing some unbelievable basketball right now and has mm-hmm. been having a great season overall. Chris is certainly finding something that was missing for a month to six weeks if not even a little bit longer and yeah you've got good offensive output from Bobby and you know there there are things there are bright ish sparks I think from all of the the recent additions without being like oh that guy is great he's a game changer I think we're seeing little bits and pieces here or there where there is reason to feel good or to at least feel they're doing a lot of what the books would have needed given the kind of limited roles that are going to be there for the longer term. So, I mean, as the starting point, that's for me from before the actual five game winning streak started, I didn't feel it was as bad as I think a lot of people did. And I'm still kind of just baffled on the swings on this. This is, you know, the NBA champions, the reigning champions, and they have the best player in the league. They've the best player in the league and the team around that is good it is stronger and deeper than it has been and with the outlook for the books we can see a chance of it actually getting stronger and getting to full strength like i'm not saying there's not question marks over that jordan oh yeah i'm not saying like that brooke lopez comes the- back magically as brooke lopez but i i really do think just with the general kind of picture of what the books are and where they send the nba pecking order and then with what the next few weeks, month, two months, three months should look for them based on where they're trending. I, I really have a tough time seeing anything other than the books being the favorites.
2: It's hard to dispute that at least, I mean, all the building blocks are there. Giannis is playing maybe the best he's ever played. Um, which I don't intend to be a hot take but like that is where it's trending right now
3: That's, um he kind of did the great thing with him is every past every, week yeah he's exactly. the best he's ever played which is not something most people tend to do but he just constantly gets better
2: um i think we could say the same thing about drew holiday though i mean mm-hmm. he's been spectacular all year long but even more so as the year has gone along i mean chris Yeah, he's going to have his ups and downs like any player, and obviously his downs are more heightened based on uh, social media reaction for whatever reason that is. Um, But he put down 44 points against the Suns in a huge win at home. Um, The Heat game comes up really big again. Uh, Like, there's just been it's to your point of everything's kind of finally uh, breaking right for this team in terms of health, they're, you know, becoming on the men. They got their best three player, Three best players are playing, you know,
3: superbly at this time. They might actually all be playing their best basketball of the season right now at the same time.
2: Yeah. It's hard to, it's hard to disagree with that, honestly. Yeah. Um, and like you said, I mean, as we'll get into, like the, the new guys that, you know, aren't big names by any means, they're not even, you know, could they find success in other places like this? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. But like they're f- fitting in into the picture as we'd hoped they would. I mean, Serge Ibaka, again, that Suns game, he was very big in that game, had definitely his best performance and then followed it up with a nice game against Thunder. Um Carter's playing big minutes. Benbury's kind of a little bit tougher to track, but he's also that's based on playing style reasons, I think.
3: Yeah, he, he's but, just glue. You're not gonna know him. He, he yeah. literally has yet to take a three-pointer, I believe, as a Milwaukee. But
2: he took one last night and missed it, but yeah, he's not he's not doing much of
3: okay. Well, of, his averages for the last five games are <laughs> 0.0, 0 three-point attempts. Yep.
2: So. <laughs> He's not. Uh, he's not much of a way of like a an offensive there but it's also different than what he was doing at the Brickle Nets uh, mm-hmm. this year. Um, yeah, and Bobby too. Like, I don't forget about Bobby. Obviously, just because he's had done his way of scoring points and giving some value on that end too. Like, it just kind of for all the concern that I've had about like is just like is it just not going the piece is going to fall at the right time and all that stuff where I was like a couple of weeks ago. um It does feel like the sun is starting to shine a little bit more. It's not as cloudy as it was. And they're doing this against good teams. Like yeah. they're, they're, I like, I know we, it's like, Oh, the schedule is going to get harder and harder.
3: Well, they've come through One of the spells that made, you know, toughest remaining schedule. Like, I don't know if that's actually still the case now, having come yeah. through the past week. And some
2: of their po- – I mean, all those Bulls games were backlogged to the second half of the year, and the Bulls are sliding right now. Like, the, the East is kind of shaky out in a way where, yeah, we there's the Philadelphias of the world, there's the heat, obviously, but things are kind of just – it's not as um, – jam-packed anymore there are a lot of
3: teams on the slide in the, the middle of the pack the celtics are really the only exception to that like the Cavs yeah, are trending... kind of in free fall yeah. uh, the bulls are in free fall to like become the middle of the pack yeah uh, that, that 0 for 14 against the top three teams at both conferences is absolutely mind-blowing i still i'm days thinking about that how that's even possible how you don't just by accident win one of those games
2: well especially when Think of all the things that have disrupted the season and they have not built or beat a team that could have had, you know, eight players dressed because there's COVID losses or injuries or anything like that.
3: It's wild. You're talking about like a seventh of the season nearly that they've just lost all those games because they're against good teams. That's a really bad sign too. Like just if it's it's the teams of good players and good coaches just just routinely beat you, that's not ideal.
2: It's good players that, outside of DeRozan, haven't won anything of substance. I mean, at least, like, DeMar DeRozan went to a conference finals in, during his time with the Raptors. But, like, Zach Levine, Nikola Vucevic, Lando Ball, um, who else am I missing? They, have, I mean, Desumu is a really good rookie, but he's a rookie. Like, <laughs> it's a kind of like, it's this good team that, like, That's the Bulls talk. It does not matter.
3: (laughs) Can can we go to the defense for a moment? Because you brought up the defense. and I think it's an understandable concern for anyone who watches the team. But I've got a very simple question for you. Very simple. Is the book's defense better or worse than it was last season? Worse. It is not worse. They have a better defensive rating this season than they had last season. Are you serious? They're one point per one hundred possession better off defensively this year than last year, and I honestly I don't think people remember what the defense looked like in the regular season last year, and just what the team looked like. Like this, I I don't know. Maybe it's because of the way I'm watching games, which is rarely certainly the
2: way that the the season ended and how they eventually won the championship. That clouds, like like
3: I, I. we, were, we went down the road of like absolute un, unbelievable defense in the regular season. Number one defense in the NBA by a mile. Teams just not able to score them. And then it gets to playoffs. And that doesn't matter. Like they are two different <laughs> things, but the Bucs both in an NBA sense, they rank slightly higher. They, they're also, I think, you yeah, they're closer to, <laughs> closer to the best defense in the league relatively this year than they were last year. But yeah, they have a 109.7 defensive rating this year. And last year, it was 110.7. So the actual difference, like if we're talking about where their net rating was last year to this year, is their offense. And their offense right now is looking supercharged all of a sudden. And I really think that's important. And that was the story of last season. You compare it to they had done the thing of, oh, we're a great defensive team and we have the right defensive players that could stop anyone. And that does matter, and it certainly did factor in when the playoffs come around you're playing in certain teams. It's not entirely the story, though, of how the books navigated their way through the playoffs in their entirety. There were parts of that, too, that were about winning with your offense. And in years past, it was something they just would not have been capable of doing, and last year they were. So there is a balance there, but, yeah, I just – Think that's interesting because there is a lot of like, oh, their defense, their defense. Like, the defense is better than last year when they went on to win an NBA championship. And they don't have Brooke Lopez right now.
2: I mean, that is part of the gamble that they made this offseason with prioritizing signing Bobby over PJ. I mean, it didn't have to be that way, but that's essentially the the bet that they made. But also bringing in a guy like Grayson Allen and, you know, subsequently. Extending him, they wanted more high level offense. I mean, for as good as the playoff run was last year and everything that, you know, the excitement and just triumph that it was. I mean, I rewatched some of those clips recently and it's like, oh, it's really bogged down. Yeah. <laughs> like but- you can only rely on Bryn Forbes making six threes in a playoff game so much when he's, you know, playing 10 minutes.
3: Well, come on. They only relied on the once. I know, but you but you know what I mean, like Which was a good it, thing because you would was, not have got yeah. it more than once.
2: Um but they needed certainly needed more um just sh- shooting, spacing, that kind of thing of uh around their big three to kind of just prop up their offense even further so it doesn't, you know, hopefully knock on or not knock on wood, but hopefully it doesn't happen that it to that extent again but I mean yeah they're just hitting their stride offensively in a ways that it's never been like this even to like the start of the Bud era like I know that like it was like oh they're just blowing out teams this office is great and stuff like that but like it's it feels different when it's not new anymore and um, obviously their offense has changed too in terms of just adding the Ducker spot the spacing is different that way too but it feels like Giannis has like fully transformed his passing in ways where he can make passes that he did make a couple like four years ago chris drew obviously meshing all of that together um it just i don't know it feels a lot different in obviously great ways that their offense has just become right now uh they're you know uh the leading example of why they're doing so well but like
3: The one thing I'll say about the defense to balance out the other way is that in looking at last season's defensive rating in the regular season, we're not, that's not really factoring in PJ Tucker at all, who was a crucial cognitive defense could play off time because he hardly played in the regular season and then became essential, a starter in yep. the biggest games when it mattered most in the postseason. So that is something that's certainly there in a question mark that. I mean may linger and they need to work out but then the flip side of that is you don't have Brooke Lopez and you're playing the way you are I mean we talked about it from really early and I do think it's holding up Grayson Allen is very solid for team defense Yes, and you're never gonna he's never gonna get talked about in the way that Dante did and if I'm honest I think part of that comes down to as well Dante didn't do anything offensively, so we had to talk about him as a specialist defender. Yep, exactly. And I, I think the perception of how they're meshing into team defense gets completely skewed in that kind of scenario. Um, but Grayson has been really solid and given them an injection of offense. And to go back to something that I think I brought up when we were talking about some of the other teams around the NBA in the the crossover pod we were on recently with Tyron Rohan. When we think matchups and we're like, okay, they could face this team in the first round, this team in the conference finals, whatever. There's always this habit to focus in and get concerned about a matchup in terms of oh, well, what will this guy do to stop book X? I, I don't think we ever fully when when it gets into that kind of you know, who's scaring us? What is the idea? It never plays out both sides of the ball i i just think it's a habit that i think is ingrained maybe other maybe other people other podcasts and other teams do but honestly i feel when i think of it going back to even when you and i would be writing and in playoff series and you'd be doing these matchup things and i i think often maybe it's just books fandom there's like the pessimism takes over and the idea is what can the opposing team do that's going to hurt the books where the reality is there are very few teams who can like win the matchups on balance because are they equipped to maybe cause the books a little bit more trouble? Let's say if it's with their defense that the books are going to slow down scoring, it's like, okay, but then can they outlast what the books will still be able to produce on offense? I I think that balance and uh, that's kind of, even if you take an example, like the net series, which didn't really play out how I think most people would have imagined Books nets throughout the season. But it becomes a rock fight. And in a lot of ways, like the books weren't best tool to win that. But ultimately, it's like, okay, the Nets are making it a little bit tougher for you to score. But you still got enough to score just enough in spite of what they're doing. Yeah. And I, I think it's just, it's a factor in most games the books play in and most series where it's like, it's it's really difficult to beat this team. And I, I think if they can get Brooke healthy, George Hill healthy, Pat healthy, and actually go into the playoffs with like a full complement of players at their disposal and playing pretty well, that will only be like magnified beyond what was the case a year ago because this team is deeper. It is much, much deeper. We've gone through a spell with injuries where depth becomes and it's like, oh well, there's a glaring hole here, there's a glaring hole there. The roster is so much more complete than it was a year ago. I don't need to remind people of what the actual like rotation players in the playoffs looked like for the Bucs. They're not gonna have that problem this year. If anything, it will just be like <laughs> maybe there'll be some more concern about like where Bud will make his cuts to the rotation, how he'll manage minutes, because there will be players that you could go a little bit deeper. Like, for example, someone who's getting quite a lot of trust at the moment, and I'm very is Jordan Wara. You know, um Jordan Moore is in the good books right now. He has not played all that well recently, although he did have a very good game. The Hornets game was that his good game, or was it the Suns game?
2: Suns game he did well. Um I'm forgetting. There's it's
3: I think it might have been yes, sorry, it was the Suns game. It was the Suns because he
2: closed that out too, because obviously yes.
3: Uh, yep. See, I've been watching some games out of sequence, so I was mm. thinking Hornets was actually more recent, but that is not true. I just watched it more recently. Um It was the Suns game. Like, do the Bucs want to see Jordan Warren near the floor in the playoffs? Absolutely not. Given the short at least he's had at times this year, do I think Bud would? No. But they'll be some of the things I think worth monitoring. But I'm to go back to the, I guess the jumping off point for this particular conversation. I'm like, I'm the eternal optimist here now on the books. I I really do think books fans generally are not appreciating or doing their best to like torment themselves in ways that aren't necessary over this team not being as good as they are. Cause this is a great team. Again, doesn't mean you win a championship because it just doesn't work like that. But I, I think they'll enter the playoffs well positioned where you, you could look at the playoffs and be like, yeah, they're the best team. They're the favorite. I'd be surprised if anyone beats them. Maybe they do, but that's the point you've got to get to every year. And I think right now it looks like, yeah, there's a very good chance they could do that. Will they be the one seed? Maybe not. Will they be the two seed? Maybe not. Again, don't forget last year. Like A lot of that stuff, it, it doesn't matter. You've got to take one series at a time. And as much as it would be great to have the most favorable matchups, we've seen the books have favorable matchups and make a mess of that too. Like yeah, think was the
2: unfavorable matchups have been more beneficial to them.
3: <laughs> it was something we talked about even during the run last year. It's like particularly once they got past the Nets, to get past the Nets in the second round and to still be there, knowing they had conquered what I would know we all felt certainly the East was their biggest threat, but not. Really, just in the East. I think generally, like the confidence that gave them. It's like if you're going to go win a championship, you're going to have to beat some good teams eventually. I don't know if it's the worst thing to have to beat them in the second round. Like, sure, you could lose in the second round, but they've won a championship now. I mean, do we really care if they go out in the second round of the conference finals? It's it's about well, just go and see if you can win. And if if you win a series like that, I think you're very well equipped. And um, for the Bucks. They certainly looked sharper, like than they have in years past. Then, when you're going in against uh, a Pistons team that shouldn't be there, or a Magic team that shouldn't be there, and yet are giving some scares, you know, I I think they managed to get to a point last year, having the Heat in round one focused their mind. They yes. had a real motivation and it focused their mind. They dealt with that, and that had them well prepared for the Nets, and then they managed to get by the nets and then that had them well prepared for everything that was coming. Cause they were never going to be scared again. They were never going to face a Kevin Durant like figure again at that point. Like, I, I think there are pros to that for the books, like sure. If you can find a way where it's going to break and you got the calves or the Raptors in round one, and then the bulls and the, the second round, like in theory, that might sound better to people, but ultimately if you're going to win a championship, you're going to have to beat these teams. And to me goals are not now we're so far beyond the point where the matchups would matter that much because really we just want to see them win a round which was the story for a very long time yeah can they get out of a round we're past that so it's if you're gonna have to win you're gonna have to beat them all anyway like you can't necessarily trust others to take care of your business for you it can break that way we saw it happen last year when the hawks beat the sixers but. I think you just got to be like, we're good. We believe in ourselves, which seemed to be the shift the organization made last year. And we'll take every series on its merits and back ourselves. Let's talk about some of the new faces and how they're fitting in. Um, uh, You mentioned Serge Bach, And I think Serge Bach is an interesting one because he is not Wowing me by any stretch of the imagination. The numbers are actually not good. Um, even over the last five games, he has the worst net rating on the team by quite a long way. And yet, he is just kind of plugging some of the gaps that have been an issue in terms of production. He's shooting the ball very well. Um, he is blocking some shots, he's been solid on the boards. And all combined, I just think it's it's a big who's doing the job for them and in a more defensive-minded way, which it goes back to some of the conversations we had when they brought in Boogie Cousins. It's like they just needed a legitimate backup big, you know, they just need yes. someone to do some of that stuff, maybe even in part for what it frees Yanis up to do, for example, or what it can free Bobby Portis up to do. Um, because it's something I'm going to be really interested if Brooke comes back and he looks good. It's like, you think, I, I think Bobby's having a better season than he had a year ago. Like I think his offense looks to have leveled up in some ways. I mean, he's really got it. Like he did in that Nets game. You're like, Whoa, this is, this is an entirely different level of threat than even he was offering a year ago.
2: I think that's important to know because like, yeah, if you look at it, it's not, he's scoring more this year, but he's doing more minutes and stuff like that. But, like, the efficiency, it's different when you're shooting how, I think it was, like, two, he had, like, two, or average two and a half threes a game last year. But if you're hitting 42% of, like, your threes, and you're putting a five threes game, and you're scoring 15 points a game, and, like, his, it's not, like he is a very, he has a good touch and all that stuff, and is a good offensive player in the post, or you can rely on him to kind of his back to the basket for a couple possessions and stuff like that but his offense is largely based off of five, being open beat like it's not like he's driving the offense at all he's a more of a play finisher rather than you know play starter or initiate the offense but if he's doing that to that level and playing as like as great as he is offensively like he this is definitely his i would say better than last year because it just just feels like it's rounded out more in a way that, like, it's obviously leading to winning basketball. It's been super helpful and useful with when he's been their starting center for all of the years, say for one game. Um, and as I said before, like, he's his efficiency may, numbers may look different, but he's doing it in bigger opportunity. Like, that is very big. And it's not something that a lot of players can do. Um, but Bobby's been doing it.
3: I, I think it can get better though, I, because I, I mostly think, like, to me, the defensive concerns are really still there. And I, I do see it as the weak spot. It's like what is separating the books from being an elite defense. I do think a lot of the problems are coming just in that is not it's not his natural role. It's not the most comfortable position to have him in as a team. It's, it's going to be an interesting balancing act when Brooke comes back. But I, I do think he could be he could make even more of a positive impact by slotting into a sixth man role. And by having a little bit more freedom and you're getting him out there in the right lineups, hopefully still, but just not having to carry quite as much. I think it could free him up and allow him to find better balances where you're not getting his hurt maybe by some of his defensive weaknesses, or you're picking the spots where it's like his offense is as good as it is. Well, let him really go and carry the offense in a couple of stretches, you know, where if it's when Giannis is off the floor, then that he's going to play a lot more. Where right now he's sharing a lot of time with Giannis. Like what does that do to Bobby when you can make him more of your front court focal point for, for a stretch of your minutes I think he's up to that. I think he's up to that with a lot of what he can do inside. His shooting has been insane. So certainly you've got a lot of kind of five-out options you could really go to with Giannis off the floor too um, if you wanted to feature Bobby that way. I think there will be some interesting things to monitor with that. And to bring it to Surge, where he's going to fit into all of that is even more interesting. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder what the conversations were like when they – when they acquired him because it's it's tough to to figure out his role like maybe if brook comes back and brook is healthy and the starting five that we would all have been hoping to see for all the season and have not seen since the first game of the season um maybe that's so good that they can ride with that a lot of the time and there could well be a series again where you're like don't know if this is bobby's series don't know if this is what we need. I don't think it will happen to the extent of last year, but it will be minimized. I mean, one thing with that Nets game we already touched on, I saw a lot of people being like, oh, yeah, look what he's doing to the Nets. And it's like, yeah, what great call by Bud not playing against the Nets last year. Kevin Durant was not on the floor that game, and that's a pretty crucial detail for Bobby's ability to survive, because if you're putting the seven-footer out there who can literally tear him up, and just rip the books to shreds from there. That's that's the core of that problem. It's like, yeah, Bobby's not going to have major difficulty with the Nets that they were playing against in that particular game in terms of making his impact felt, particularly as even though that was a great Kyrie game, Kyrie, as it's been well documented, is not getting to the rim anywhere near as much as he did in years past. That is not his game right now. Maybe he gets in shape, that will change, but I, I do think he's just very much in love with, pull-up jumpers just kind of i guess uh dribbling people out of their shoes and then settling for for pull-up jumpers that's kind of what he what he does a hooper. He's, he's a hooper he's a hooper that's one word for him um it's <laughs> what he does and what he does about as well as anyone in the nba but yeah. that's not gonna kill bobby portis in the same ways that some of the other things like Durant brings to the team or that Durant and company. It's like the look of that Nets game was very different. I think a lot of people put stock in that. But I think if you got a a healthy, full strength Nets, which major question marks over that for a lot of reasons still, in the playoffs, I'm not entirely sure how much will have changed with Bobby. And, and even more, like, if, say, if Ben Simmons was playing and able to do something, if Bobby was seeing some Ben Simmons on him defensively.
2: That would help him, help Bobby up more than
3: anything. Seeing Ben Simmons defensively? Or not
2: def- Well.
3: I know. It, I'm, I I'm Offensively, talking, yes. Yes, I'm talking about Ben Simmons defense. I'm not talking about Bobby having to guard Ben Simmons. Obviously, you or I could guard Ben Simmons a lot of the time. Um that's that's not remotely true. That's a joke. <laughs> just to be clear, um, but I I mean more, that might be an interesting like matchup wrinkle that if the books were like oh we believe in Bobby and his offense winning out this year, that I think Simmons could be something that the Nets would throw at him. For example, now they may just be preoccupied otherwise, and they may need Simmons to defend Giannis. For example, um. But it's that's where to me it's it's interesting. And every time I'm watching Surge, and I think he's doing a very fine job of just kind of filling in what they need in terms of a backup big and giving them some block, some shot blocking, some rebounding, solid defense. Uh, one of the things that strikes me most is I feel he is very slow, and I feel his whole game it's, moves in slow it's motion. Certainly
2: it, it there are nights where he's he can pop like he can make blocks that we've associated with Serge Ibaka like 10 years ago. He
3: can, you can times, do that from a standstill. I think any need, them, yeah. but I,
2: it's when in, you get a moving. Space, he's kind it's of, a problem. Yeah. He's either reading, do I try to close down the ball handler? or Do I pop back Like he doesn't have that same level of athleticism or uh, dexterity as a defensive player anymore. Um, but that's where it gets really interesting because I do think like for all the questions of like, what, how does Bobby fit into, you know, various rotations come playoff time, depending on what the matchup looks like the biggest difference, obviously this is no shock. Um, if you've watched the Bucks this year compared to last year, they don't have a PJ Tucker. They don't really have that like four slash five guy that can kind of be very defensively malleable obviously um but just give it's not even just that it's just like yo you're relying on guys like pat constant is gonna have to play a lot of the minutes at the four when they go small deandre Bembry is gonna have to do the same wesley matthews might have to do the same like those are small guys that's really small (laughs) and we've seen their troubles with you know rebounding this year certainly compared to the highest standards that they've set for themselves over the last few years a lot of that's obviously helped or not helped um has been hurt because brooke is just a big body that can just clear out people um but they just don't have that kind of collective size that they would have had with like obviously pj being he was the, the standard bearer, and even watching that Heat game last week, you just saw just what he was doing for the Heat and how he would extend possessions or how he would clear out Giannis from kind of getting an easy tap back or play, uh, put back opportunities like that. And I think that's where it will be interesting where if you're not – if if they're going to have try to have roles for all three of Bobby – Brook and Abaka in playoff rotations. Bobby's gonna have to play some four minutes at the four, obviously, which is, suits him more to where he is at. That's that's
3: a they're like combinations that if you play the Cavs, and you got a big ball. Yes, yeah, yeah. a big ball off. Uh, which but, right now
2: that would be the first round matchup as as it has been for much of the year. But
3: and then, honestly, they might be. Well advised to try something as different as that because they have not looked particularly spectacular against the Cavs this year. Um, so,
2: but even a team like my like I do think that is going to be useful against Miami because yeah, Miami is more athletic. They don't and even have a real
3: center though.
2: That's the that's the thing though, is that like they can. I don't know, that, that I mean as much, um. Nervousness and tension will be brought about when, if, if and when they play the Heat in the playoffs. Like it is going to be really fascinating how that kind of shapes out that series because stylistically it, it will look very different, but like mirror each like, other. And there's various... no,
3: there's no reason for nervousness.
2: There's... Well, in terms of wanting to, you're win doing the everything... thing that I was
3: talking about though, because when we think of that series, you're like, oh well kyle larry pj tucker jimmy butler bam out of bio it's like they're gonna make it tough for the books to score guess what having those players on the floor together makes it even tougher for the heat to score like this the books won a game against the heat last week they had absolutely no right to win because the heat are very much built in a way that tyler hero needs to be like an absolute superstar for them to win a lot of games and he's not like that's not sustainable. I I would think over the course of a series, unless the books laid an egg, which is possible. We saw them do it in the bubble against the heat, where there's just much bigger problems with how the books are playing. Barring that, I, I honestly I don't think that's the concern. I'd be I will stick to what has been my line for quite some time, and certainly since the trade deadline. It's like I am exponentially more afraid of Joel Embiid and James Harden than I am of the Miami Heat, because I think what the Heat could do very well is make it difficult for the Bucs to score. They are not going to have an easy time scoring themselves. Like, there is a possibility that the Bucs could win the rock fight with them. Like, and that's that's always the thing, I think, that is just, it's worth stressing, it's worth remembering, is the Bucs can play a series that way, and the Books can win a series that way. It won't be pretty, it will bring, like in-game anxieties to oh they're finding it tough to, to score this isn't how we're used to seeing them play but it doesn't mean that they can't win those games like the heat yeah. do not have it all figured out offensively
2: no and a lot of i mean you if you watch that game and just how the heat have been like max Strus gave vincent um who else? Tyler Hero. I mean, he might as well be Sixth Man of the Year, probably. Um, like they get, they just have these. They, their bench is obviously deep enough that they play um, very deep, and they just constantly have guys that can give them a pop, and they develop all that stuff that we talked about, you know, Evensley. But like when it comes down to it, a lot of those guys are not going to play huge minutes. Hero being the biggest exception, obviously. Um,
3: and if Gabe Vincent yes. and like Struess are playing big minutes against the books in a playoff series, the books are going to sweep the heat again.
2: That
3: might be seriously. I don't know. I don't know.
2: I'm not going to say sweep, but
3: I if they're playing big minutes, if they're playing, if we're seeing those guys like 15 plus and Spolster goes. Spolter goes deep. Yeah, he and, goes deep, and he never, never gets criticized for that in the way the other coaches um, may tend to get criticized.
2: <laughs> you, are, you hold held on to that for like a year and a half. Well, it
3: was just weird because it was the whole narrative around the books in the in the bubble series, and it's like well, <laughs> the Heat are actually going he deeper,
2: more players. As nobody knows in. that they're yeah. actually
3: playing more players and you know starters playing fewer minutes this is a weird conversation where i'll have a it's almost like that wasn't the problem It turned out a year later but he, he will go deep so those kind of guys play like yeah if it's if it's a depth a depth off something we'll call it a depth <laughs> off the books might have the guys the books might have you know the they might have the numbers I
2: don't know about that. I wouldn't go that far.
3: I I don't know why not. Like if, I know if the books get like, who are you taking? Are you taking Pat Connaughton or Strews?
2: Um, If Struess didn't fall over every time someone drove on him, I would have maybe taken. That was yeah. Um, I, I they, It's certainly more top heavy that the Bucs ben, benches between Connaughton and George Hill.
3: And Bobby Portis potentially will be a bench player. That's true. Yeah. Doug, yeah. Like,
2: maybe, yeah, you're turning me on this.
3: This is like, I, I, maybe it's I like just don't partake of this anymore. That it's like, the, I see some stuff that drives me crazy because it's like, I don't know if another team in the NBA can match the Bucs depth if they get healthy. And we're very close to Fields right now. I know that could go wrong. I know they could get healthy. We're knocking on the door. We just got to get through that
2: door. got to
3: get through that door, Jordan. But if they do, like, depth is not going to be the concern of any other team getting more out of you. And it will actually give them options and abilities to adapt in a way that they haven't previously. Like, the conversation we were having, we started with Serge Ibaka here, and it's like, yeah, well he may not play for large spells. Like, how do you work that out? The Heat are not dealing with a Serge Ibaka-like player. That would not make, like, Spolstra's 13-man rotation that he'll be playing in the playoffs.
2: You'll see a lot of Dwayne Dedman.
3: I don't feel like I've ever watched a Heat game in Dedman's time there where I haven't seen a lot of Dwayne Dedman. Yeah.
2: I don't
3: know. It'll be interesting. Okay, let's... Oh, some of the other... um Javon Carter, I mentioned recently. Like, if George Hill is, uh, is going to continue to struggle with his neck, or if maybe he's not playing at his best when he comes back, like, Javon Carter is someone who could remain a staple of the rotation. I think he is, like, tailor-made that, like, every coach he's ever going to play for is going to love him. <laughs> um... And he's being given real high quality minutes. Like there, are, his limitations are very clear. He takes some shots, and you're like, "Well, that isn't even close." Um, it's all he could do. Overall, That's his great. game is very tidy and solid, and he is just helping things to kind of keep ticking over when he's out there. He's not stopping the ball on offense, and he's not creating holes that others need to cover on defense. And that's kind of the backup point guard's job, particularly if you're going to be on the floor with other skilled players who can create.
2: Yeah. Um, I yeah. I I'm not the shooting. I mean, it's been what five games, right? Yeah. He's only played five games. No, six. Um, the shooting will obviously be the swing skill for him in terms of. Is he going to hit shots over how many minutes he plays on a given night? But if he's hitting his shots, if...
3: Do you know his he, percentage in his last five games?
2: He's he's shot really well. I mean, I would maybe say he's been like
3: 10 of 16. I don't know the totals, but he's 52.9% from deep. I mean, he's
2: hit some big shots against Thunder Suns, his former team. The Heat game, he, can't, he came up big Two nine like, of
3: se- nine of 17 from deep
2: nine of 17. I was off,
3: off. Uh, <laughs> um, ten, like I uh, totals is interesting to simplify it. You got 10 rebounds, 10 assists, so you're not big, but two a game of each. He's only had two turnovers in five games. Is a book
2: that was actually you bring up a good point that wanted to mention at some point when, um they got him, is that yeah, you look at what he was doing at the Brooklyn Nets and all that stuff, and you could take it for what it's worth. Um, but I also think his shooting looking better right now, and possibly looking better than it was, was in Brooklyn, is tied to the fact that he had to do a lot more in Brooklyn because Kyrie didn't want to play, and he was their starting point guard at nights. Obviously, with COVID losses, And just the general outline of their rotation, even when playing against next to Kevin Durant and James Harden, like he still will, even by those superstar players, he was still asked to bring out the ball and try to drive some offense. Whereas, yeah, he'll have some of those opportunities playing against or playing alongside Drew, Giannis, Chris, and all that stuff. But I do think that is tied to if he can shoot better, he, he won't be asked to do as much offensively. And that's kind of exactly what the Bucks want out of it. It's not too dissimilar to George Hill where George Hill can kind of do a little bit of everything. Javon Carter is strictly a three and D player just in a point guard body. And if he can bring both of those attributes, you're going to live with that, obviously. Um it's, yeah, it's,
3: it's more effective and more valuable to them really than what they ended up with with Teague last year when they yes. really they would have loved the Javon Carter type, yes. because they did not need Teague to be doing anything like they didn't really want them to, but they needed someone who could give just point guard play and a lot of the time it was point guard defense and that was not a strength of Jeff Teague, but given their situation, he ended up playing with like not a not an insignificant amount. Um, given the circumstances, and they would have killed for a player like that last year. Now, whether the opportunity will be there, they'll need to turn to Javon Carter. I don't know. I but the- good good player to have though. In terms of depth, yes. it's like even say for example, if if we we're to have a, a finals rematch, as uh, some people are predicting, some people like me, um, like if you're going up against a team that their two best players and their greatest threats are. Guards. Not the worst thing to have a guy in the back who's like a specialist defender who has also had reps in practice against those guys. And
2: you could play with him or play him with Drew and George if it comes down to it. Like, there is a lot of utility in what he brings to the floor that they like. That's where it's kind of like, are they really missing what Dante gave them? Obviously, not offensively because. What did he give them? Like, but I'd positional say,
3: versatility was well, versatility was the thing it gave yeah. them lineup options yeah. which they
2: can do with javon carter
3: but they also they could do with javon carter i think he gives them more of the the point guard guarding point of just attack. defense that, yeah. yes that dante was but also say from the start of last season compared to now they added multiple players who in some way or another would give them some of what Dante was doing even someone like Wes Matthews at this point in his career he's obviously not as fast he's a, he's maybe not a step slow, he might be two steps slow but you know just across multiple players bringing George Hill back in the offseason it's like they had already moved away from a lot of what they needed with Dante because they literally tried to move away from Dante before <laughs> like that might have been a factor in it. Yeah. Um, to the team that he eventually got to the team to. that eventually. I I I actually haven't been checking in. I checked in the first few It games. Just it was rough. I don't know how it got any better, but it's Dante not. It's was, a
2: little better, but it's not like it's not. I'm he not,
3: was stinking it up in Sacramento when I yeah. looked last, so that's tough. But I like in all seriousness, like they did not lose anything from Dante. Like they lost some familiarity like that to me is the thing where it's like i'll I'll hear that case it's like yeah anytime you're bringing new people to the mix is a risk but we even touched on this um on the pod like when javante carter was brought in javante this you know we've we've had a javante this year when javon carter was brought in um it very much fit the mold of oh that's a that's a current books type personality. And Bembry fits that too. I I feel like Ibaka fits that maybe the least seamlessly, but if we're to compare that to say Boogie Cousins, who was the last guy they had to try and fill that role, it's a much smoother fit, I think, with Ibaka than it was with Boogie. And in moving to a lot of that, that seems to be working. I also, I think like, Bembry, uh, we'll probably talk a little bit about him but maybe less so than the other two because I feel like that's just as reflective as you mentioned earlier of his place but also of his role today I think Bembry and Carter are really gritty tough competitors and they're bringing in some of what I was talking about a few weeks ago and that I felt yep. like there was just a need for some different guys to be in the mix here who are hungry and are gonna kind of drive a different level of competitiveness. They're not competitive in a way that's going to spill over into anything that's going to cause you problems. They just dare I say they have a bit of bit of dog about them, Jordan.
2: They got the bulldog in them. That's they're taking that moniker and running with it.
3: Could we say they're dogs?
2: <laughs> yes we could.
3: <laughs> but Javon Carter and Embry up on stage in like uh, June, July, just dousing themselves in champagne, saying, saying they're dogs. Is what we're gonna see? I'll seriously though, there that is there, that is there in their playing style, and that benefits the books because they were missing just a little bit of that. Whether that's even internally, day to day in practice, just something that's gonna drive that on, and that's maybe where, as I said, maybe the biggest loss with Dante was like the familiarity and a security blanket of it maybe it was good to lose that and shake things up you know maybe it was good just for competitive purposes internally within the backcourt to be like new faces like hungry guys not dealing with a whole lot of career security in the nba here they are they're ready to play they can play they've been on good teams they want to continue to be on good teams let's see how that works out and so far i think it's been pretty encouraging uh, I do, Bembry in particular, I'm still very intrigued by what Bembry could be for the books in the weeks ahead. I feel like his role could grow. I'm already at a point where, in spite of some good Jordan War stuff, I'd like to see a bit more Bembry. Like, I, I just don't, I don't see where Jordan War is going to factor into the playoffs at all for the books. They're not going to be like, we need Jordan War as offense. They might need yeah. Bembry's defense, so yeah. I I would like to see a bit more bambery
2: I would agree with that. I mean, as you said, they're knocking the door to full health. If that full health, if and when that full health comes, um, offensively they're pretty secure. I mean, <laughs> it's putting Bobby in a and his six man role, having Brooke Obviously, offensively, <clears throat> gives them an added dimension that they have obviously needed this whole year. Mm-hmm. Um, they, as good as Mora has looked at times this year, and uh, more recently too. As like, good has he looked that good? That's
3: but, fine. That's fine. I mean, he's, I didn't he's have... had some games where you're like, oh yeah, he's. I I I don't doubt his ability, and like the Olympics was the thing that really sealed that. You're like, okay, well this guy can play. The thing is, just always being can he play within a book's framework and with their yeah. goals and what his role will be?
2: That's where I think, like, yeah, he's you could say if he has had a good year or not, but like what we've seen of him more this year and the struggle, the struggles and ups that he's had is that he's trying to fit within that construct, and it comes with good moments, it comes with bad moments, I would say. Um, but yeah, to your point, like Benbury defensively, that's what they're going to need more as we, as I outlined earlier, if you're the times that you're going to play smaller, if you need just another four, Benbury's probably going to take that up more than war is, um, when it comes down to it. And yeah, like, I think we looked at like, I think the collective, um, especially around the time of chasing Dragas, cause I think. Yeah, Benbury came before the whole Dragos decision came, and, and just like look at how he could fit the Bucks and stuff like that. It's not like it's it wasn't like he was, you know, West Matthews or I think we even talked about Tory Craig at the time where mm-hmm. it's like it's not like a clear cut like it's gonna work because he could play defensively, he can take up uh, responsibilities guarding, you know high scores on opposing teams and stuff like that. But it's not like he's a great shooter. He's kind of this weird guy that, can, that you're trying to fit around um, or try to find a role for him to fit around your best players. And I think like there are times where it's like, oh, like it could really work like offensively where I guess the Thunder, he kind of makes these nice passes be in the dunker spot, but he's not going to put it up <laughs> shooting wise and defensively. Yeah, they're nice where he pressures, you know, poison point guards, picks him up like 94 feet and all that stuff. But then, you know, he's following or kind of making dumb fouls, you know, every once in a while and stuff like that. Like, I think it's, I'm not surprised to see what we've seen from him so far, because I think it's been, it's a harder role for him to come into, even with the familiar familiarity that he's had with Bud and the coaching staff that like, it's not like, and it, that was just a totally different Hawks team. That when you're on a Bucks team that is the defending champs, everything's set around and how this team is built. So you, it's about you fitting in with what they have. And I do think if he ever, if he does figure it out, I mean, it's gonna work out wonderfully. But it's just a matter of it getting to that point.
3: Couple of other kind of quick hits uh, to to clean up here. Tyreek Evans reportedly worked out for the books well, probably about a week ago and now um, there has been word of him working out for other teams since it would seem by the fact that the books uh, worked them out and have like quite a lot of time passed since that they will not be taking up the option to sign him. But that doesn't mean that, that news is completely inconsequential or um, not really giving us anything we're talking about because one they're obviously open if the right players dare to using that 15 roster spot and having a, a larger tax bill than they may have otherwise it would seem like they're not just going to do it for anyone they're not going to do it for the sake of it and be like oh well that could work um but if they they feel like someone has it and is available or comes on the radar they may well do that the other thing i think like evan's well Evans was is maybe a better way of putting it because we don't know what he's like now we weren't at the workout but as a player an interesting player type and you know a creative swing man someone who could give you some guard minutes or some forward minutes capable and willing passer but also could go on and take a lot of scoring I mean you're not going to come across a lot of guys like that they were just available for you on the open market but maybe it did give us a little bit of insight I don't know Do they want someone who can maybe do a little bit more creatively for me I thought that might have been a case of you miss out on Dragic and It's like you bring Javon Carter in and that's maybe giving you something you wouldn't have got out of Dragic anyway in a defensive sense but they might have felt like we still need a playmaker and um, that Dragic could have been where are you at on that do you think they do still need a playmaker um or is it just the kind of thing where it's like sure the guy was once a very good nba player he's back after a couple of years out it's no harm in doing your you know john hammond staple your due diligence and getting a sense of well can he give us something if he can sure let's sign if not well it didn't hurt to take a look
2: i do think that is what it mostly is um the fact that it's tyreek evans and that his agent is
3: clearly pushing who is his agent by the way do we know
2: uh same agent as Brook, i believe all
3: oh, right um
2: so yeah he gets reinstated after being out of the league not being out of the league but suspended by the league um and it's a matter of drumming up interest obviously he's working out the warriors reportedly and trying to give him a second act that he deserves if you know everything's going well um but I do think it was more of like it's it's part the agent trying to do right by the player and say like okay he's getting these NBA looks and all that stuff but I also think it is just a matter of the buyout market was what it was it wasn't outside of Dragic being the biggest game of non-existent event. it was non-existent it was what Dragic Tristan Thompson Bembry, Carter well Carter wasn't even a he was more of a roster casualty than a bio guy. Um, Yeah.
3: And I don't know if he necessarily would have landed how many other teams he would have landed with. I think he even said
2: that he, when they got him, he said like, there wasn't a lot of teams that were calling for me outside of Milwaukee. So yeah, like um, pretty much you're looking at guys that are out, have been out of the league or trying to get a call from the G league or, you know, Within the herd, but like, that's pretty much it in terms of that last roster spot. That's why I kind of always think that if push comes to shove, they're probably going to just convert Mamu, just how they did with Diakite, and I and mean, it's been
3: tough for for the Sandman recently. Though obviously he played a little bit last night, um, and that was his first time since the All Star break.
1: Uh, the, right. Yeah,
3: I don't even think not sure if he was playing just immediately before that either so it had been a little he had while a
2: couple herd games too oh he yeah yeah I mean, but yeah, but yeah
3: for the books i don't
2: with the bucks it's been, it been a while it's been a while
3: uh obviously surge that's a very logical explanation for that yeah um you gave a great interview where he was taking credit for janice's improved shooting so did you see that halftime interview you gave I didn't ask. Stevenson asked, asked mommy what she thought of it. Obviously, Giannis made his, uh don't know if it was a buzzer beater, but shot at the buzzer to close out the first half. And Mommy was like, yeah, I work on that with him, you know, every day before four games in practice. So he's really making some good progress. It was, it was like a coach's interview. It was great. Um, and someone forgot to turn Mar- Marcus Johnson's mic off. And Marcus Johnson was laughing very hard. He was enjoying that. That Bobby was taking the credit for yeah, this is a jumper. It's,
2: I mean, it was only two shots last night. I'm, I'm not,
3: like, I'm not saying that in the I'm real. Just way. Saying... I didn't even bring it up as a topic today because we no, 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 no. I meant,
2: guys. I meant more of Sam, Man. is that he his jumper looks a lot. Faster oh
3: yeah, I mean he's didn't miss a shot last night, right? No. Um. So you're saying we should not sneer at the fact that he's actually, you know, the Bucks' new shooting coach. Maybe they Ben Sullivan moved on. They need secret weapon. <laughs> uh, well, I guess. Lastly, let's have a look ahead at the schedule because it's kind of an interesting mix. They have the Hawks at home tonight, uh, Wednesday night as we record this, and then they go out west again. Four game trip out west: the Warriors, the Jazz, ah. the, the Sacramento Dante De Vincenzo's. And the Minnesota Timberwolves. Do
2: the Bucks actually win in Utah this year?
3: No. (laughs) The Bucks are never going to win in Utah. Like, honestly, I don't. It's
2: almost been as long as they hadn't won a game in Phoenix in like 25 years until like 2013.
3: Well, you know. They got some of those back when it mattered most. Yeah, so exactly. That's, that's a good <laughs> exactly. way to do that. Maybe they can get the Jazz in the finals this year. That would that would work if they decided to then finally win some games in Utah. Um, <laughs> no, but what do what do you think, say about that five game stretch? We've got five wins on the bounce right now. Where are we going to get to? What's the what's the record for that ten game stretch going to be? So it's Hawks, Hawks. What's the order? Warriors. Jazz, Kings, Timberwolves.
2: Well, I think it obviously stops in Utah. <laughs> I think the the streak stops in Utah. I mean, Golden State's been going through some rough. Patience
3: in their last ten. Yeah, I I think the books probably beat the Warriors right now.
2: And they still, I mean, Drayvon. So he was targeting March fourteenth. I don't know. Is that when they're playing them?
3: Um no that is the game after the books play the Warriors. They play the Warriors in the ah.
2: um and that's obviously a big piece for them, especially when it comes down to defending Giannis. Um no, I think that I think the good times keep rolling. Um
3: I, d- I think they'll they'll go four and one over this stretch. I was oh, gonna
2: say, I think four and one Minnesota's kind of
3: losing in Utah, of course.
2: Yeah, Minnesota's kind of a wild card too. They're good teams, well. but yeah,
3: I, I think the books. You know, maybe maybe we're we're getting a little too high on them right now. Nine and one stretches—it's it's a lot at any time of year. But I do think they're in a good place, and dare we say, like over the course of that spell, like maybe maybe Brook Lopez is back. Maybe we see some Brook Lopez. I think I, w- they I wouldn't be shocked home- if they if they save that and. We could possibly circle that Bulls game Tuesday, March 22nd. I would guess there's a good chance of that. But the the one other thing I will say with that, my counter to that is Brooke went on the last trip out West because his doctor was in California.
2: True. He may yeah. come
3: on this West Coast trip. They play the Warriors. He may make a little trip to California, have one last little chat with the doctor, Jordan. And then he could be good to go. Maybe returning hero, and he leads into victory in Utah, which should be like truly a conquering all lands situation.
2: That would be, yeah. I don't think I. I mean, we will hear more about Brooks' we... activity. I mean, we... what was it last Friday? That was when the news broke that he's
3: gearing up for yeah, five and five. I think he it's... is. He's partaking at five and five. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You know how many players play in an NBA game? It's five on five, Jordan. I believe yeah, if there's you're playing the Kings, They might do four. They might do four. <laughs> we don't know. Do, they might do four. Um, I mean, you could bring them back against the Kings and be like, here you go, bro. <laughs> we could send you to the herd for a game or two, or, you know, we could be like, here's the Sacramento Kings. Um, but yeah, we'll we'll see what happens. I, I think this is a feel-good book spot, right?
2: I would say so. There you it's felt, go. It's felt it's felt good as the more we kind of this
3: be our new niche. We're like the, the positivity pot?
2: That's it. Yeah, po- bucks positivity.
3: Let's see how <laughs> how this goes. How long it lasts? All right, Jordan. Uh, thanks as always for for sharing your books positivity with us you're renowned for being one of the most positive books fans around you know I'm, it. Glad, I'm glad you could bring that to the podcast today if you enjoyed mine and jordan's positivity about the milwaukee books there's plenty more of it to come so you should hit subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts also go and subscribe to the GSPN substack gspn.substack.com. you'll get all the pods all the articles all of that sort of stuff And, yeah, we'll be back with y'all very, very soon. Until next time, thanks again to all of you for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.
1: Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium?